Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. The human papillomavirus, or HPV, can cause genital warts and cervical cancer, but there is a vaccine available. Here with me to talk about HPV is Dr. Monica Suryadevara. She's an associate professor of pediatrics at Upstate, where she specializes in infectious disease. Welcome to the informed patient, Dr. Suryadevara. Thank you for having me on to speak about this very important cancer prevention vaccine. Please tell us about HPV. What is this virus? HPV is a human papillomavirus, and it is a sexually transmitted infection that can go on to cause genital warts or even more severely, new different types of cancers. And it is the most frequent sexually transmitted infection in the United States. It's actually so common that almost every individual who is unimmunized will acquire this infection at some point during their life. I didn't realize that. So it's more common than herpes or gonorrhea? It is. So at any point in time, there are about 40 million people with an HPV infection. The next most common sexually transmitted infection would be herpes at 19 million infections. So you can see how frequent this virus infection really is. So how many different types of HPV are there? And is there only one that causes cervical cancer? So that's a great question. There are over a hundred different types of HPV, and then over 40 of which can infect the genital area. And by infecting the genital area, that could mean multiple things. These viruses have been stratified based on their risk for developing into cancers. So you can have low risk HPV, which more commonly causes the genital warts, or you can have the high risk HPV. And those are more likely to go on to cause cancers, not just cervical cancer, even though that's the association we make, but any sort of genitourinary cancers. So that includes penile cancer, anal cancer, and it also can cause a head and neck or a throat cancer. Do you see HPV infections in children or is it mostly young adults or is it older adults? There are about 13 million new HPV infections that occur each year in the United States. And more than half of these infections are occurring in our young adult population. So that's typically people between the ages of 15 to 24 years old. Now, most of HPV infections are asymptomatic. So that means that most people in the United States who are infected with HPV don't even know that they have infection. This infection may or may not clear itself from the body without any intervention or even knowledge that there was an infection. The HPV infection that persists, however, can stay in the body for years and ultimately go on to develop cancer. So while the infection can be acquired in the young adult period, it is most often manifested with these cancers later on in life. So there's no reliable symptom that people get. So most people wouldn't even necessarily know they're infected. Is that right? That is correct. So if someone were to develop genital warts, that would be an indication that they probably have an HPV infection. For cervical disease, there is a screening method. So women who are getting their pap smears can be identified to have abnormal cells that may be due to HPV infection. But outside of that, HPV is often diagnosed at the time of cancer diagnosis, particularly for throat cancer and non-cervical disease. Would a doctor diagnose HPV if there were genital warts, or is there a way to do that when you see genital warts? 
Genital warts is most often caused by HPV infection. So it's kind of assumed that if you have the warts, that's probably why. Exactly. Now, I think you described this. Once a person's infected, does their body just fight it off and it goes away or does it stay in the body? Most often when a person is infected with HPV, the body fights it off and the infection gets cleared and there's nobody even knows about it. However, there is a substantial proportion of infection that stays in the body. And it is the virus that stays in the body that leads to cancer development. And when we're trying to see how much disease burden that really means, you can look to see the data regarding HPV cancers. And each year, HPV has been found to be responsible for 35,000 cancer cases in the United States. It is the major cause of cervical cancer, penile cancer, vaginal cancer, anal cancer, and throat cancer. And in fact, HPV causes 70% of mouth and throat cancers in the United States now. So where we used to associate mouth and throat cancers with smoking and alcohol, now HPV causes most of them. And is that through sexual contact usually? Correct. That is through sexual contact. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Monica Suryadevra. She's an associate professor of pediatrics at Upstate, specializing in pediatric infectious disease. And our subject today is HPV, the human papillomavirus. So let's talk about treatment and prevention. Can HPV be cured if someone develops it? There's no antiviral treatment to get rid of the virus. So treatment of HPV really is based on the symptoms that are presenting. So individuals with HPV genital warts can see their doctor to see if there's any ways to reduce the warts. And those with HPV cancers should be followed by their providers and may need chemotherapy or surgery or radiation for treatment. But there is no medicine to remove the HPV from the body. What we can do is we can prevent infection. And the best way to prevent infection is the HPV vaccine. So tell me more about the vaccine. How does it work? So the HPV vaccine, the one that we currently are using in the United States is nine valent, which covers for the majority of HPV types that are causing cancers today. And essentially the vaccine is recommended to be given at the 11 to 12 year old well child check. And you know, you hear 11 and 12 year olds and you think, oh, why are we giving them the vaccine this early? And there are multiple reasons for doing so. There is definitely rationale for doing that. The first reason is because at the 11 to 12 year old well visit is when these teens are getting other adolescent vaccines, their tetanus shot for school, their meningitis shot. So it really fits into the um, adolescent vaccine platform. A second very important reason to vaccinate at the 11 to 12 year old visit is because we know that younger adolescents produce a much stronger antibody response to the vaccine compared to older adolescents. And this is why when you get the vaccine when you're a younger teen, so 11 or 12 years old, you only need two doses of the HPV vaccine series. Whereas if you get the vaccine after your 15th birthday, you need three doses of the vaccine series to get the same response. So it's really recommended to start at the 11 to 12 year old visit and can even be given down as young as nine years of age to get these kids immunized and protected. Now you mentioned kids, boys and girls. Cervical cancer only affects women though. So why are the boys being vaccinated? 
So again, while we consider HPV vaccine to really protect against cervical cancers, essentially it's protecting against all HPV associated cancer. And if you look at mouth and throat cancer, men are at higher risk of acquiring HPV throat cancer than women. And men can also develop penile cancer due to HPV. So by vaccinating boys and girls, you are protecting both genders from developing HPV associated cancers later in life. I don't think a lot of people realize that a vaccine exists that can prevent cancer. Does this surprise people when you explain this to them? It does surprise people because when we think of HPV, we think of it being a sexually transmitted infection. But the whole goal of vaccine really is to prevent these cancers. You know, 4,000 women are dying each year from cervical cancer, and that's with screening and with treatment. And here we have a vaccine that can prevent infection and the subsequent development of cancers in our sons and our daughters. So I think it's a very important message to send that we're really trying to prevent cancers in our teens by giving the HPV vaccine. Now, the HPV vaccine, while it can be started around 11 to 12 years of age, is recommended all the way through 26 years of age for everybody. And then for adults who are between the ages of 27 and 45, if they are consider themselves to be at high risk for acquiring HPV infection, they can talk to their provider and discuss whether they should also be vaccinated. I wondered because there's a lot of people who, you know, this vaccine wasn't available when they were adolescents. So in general, can people who are older than 21 get vaccinated? Recommendations for routine vaccine for HPV series goes all the way through 26 years old. So if you're an individual who's 24 years old and has not been immunized against HPV, definitely speak with the provider to get vaccinated. And then adults who are 27 through 45 can talk to their provider about risk factors and the benefits and risks of getting vaccinated. What about people in their 50s, 60s, and older? Do they need HPV vaccines? Currently, guidance goes up through 45 years of age, where there's universal routine recommendations for administration of vaccine as early as 9 years old, all the way through 26 years old. And then for adults 27 through 45, it's based on an individual case uh, discussing benefits of vaccine. Is that because of the time it takes for the cervical cancer to develop? Correct. Any kind of HPV associated cancer. The older you are in life, the less likely it is you are to be exposed to the virus and the vaccine works best prior to exposure to the virus as opposed to once infected. So the recommendations really are to capture everybody who's younger and at risk of newly acquiring HPV infection. And that's where the focus is. If people got the vaccine as children, are they going to need boosters later on in life? As of right now, no boosters are recommended or needed. We have over 10, 15 years worth of data showing significant antibody response and significant reduction in HPV disease. We're talking about genital warts and uh, cervical precancers, as well as cancers associated with HPV in the vaccinated population. So no booster doses are needed, and we have a lot of safety and efficacy data showing that even 10, 15 years later, the vaccine's working very well. If someone has already been infected with HPV before they're vaccinated, is the vaccine going to have any protection for them? Yeah, so it is very important if someone has been already infected with HPV to get the HPV vaccine because it is likely that they were infected with only one type of HPV and the HPV vaccine prevents against nine types of the virus. So to ensure that they stay protected from 
future infections, it is very important that even if an individual has been infected in the past, that they do go and get the HPV vaccine. What if you have a couple partners that are never with anyone else? Are they at risk for HPV in other ways? The risk factors for developing HPV-associated disease, as you mentioned earlier, onset of sexual activity, multiple partners, I would say to be fully protected, even though you are solely with one other partner, my recommendation for everybody, because we know it is a safe and effective vaccine that does prevent cancer, my recommendation to everybody is to get vaccinated. Has the vaccine been in use long enough to have an impact on reducing the number of cervical cancers or genital wart cases? Yeah, so we have over 15 years worth of data on vaccine safety and efficacy, and there are multiple studies coming out showing significant reduction in HPV infection, genital warts, precancers, and cancers in the U.S. and in other countries around the world with robust HPV vaccination programs. Are there other vaccines that are designed to protect against other cancers? Yeah, so the main one that comes to mind is the hepatitis B vaccine. Hepatitis B virus can be acquired again through sexual transmission or through contaminated blood exposure. And we know that chronic hepatitis B virus also leads to liver cancer. Now we have a hepatitis B vaccine that's been uh, in use uh, for quite a while, currently given to infants in the first six months of life, but then can be administered to any unimmunized individual at any age to prevent the acquisition of hepatitis B virus and the subsequent development of liver cancers. It's a very similar purpose of here we have a vaccine that prevents liver cancers, and we routinely vaccinate all our newborns with it, and anyone who's older who has not been unimmunized, again, for the sole purpose of cancer prevention. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you making time for this interview. Well, thank you for having me. My guest has been Dr. Monica Surya-Devara, an Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Upstate, specializing in pediatric infectious disease. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine, brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. I'm your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.